Before we start today, I, I, I feel I need to add a disclaimer. Today is going to be heavy. I know all the past weeks have been really light. <laughs> today is going to be very heavy. And as we continue, just in the next couple weeks, it is going to be extremely heavy. You understand? I need you to stay with me. I do not want you to get discouraged. We have hope. We have the truth. We're believers in Yeshua. Without that, we are nothing, and we have nothing. Amen? I want to open up with this. In Ecclesiastes, there's a song about it, I think in the 70s. It was great. It's called Turn, Turn, Turn. We all know that. Right out of Scripture. How can this not be a good song? But this is what it says. In chapter 3, verse 2, there's a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant, a time to pluck what is planted. A time to kill, a time to heal. A time to break down, a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn, a time to dance. A time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones. A time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain and a time to lose, a time to throw away, a time to tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silent, and a time to speak, a time of love and a time of hate, a time of war and a time of peace. Listen to me very, very carefully. Right now, we are dealing with the time. You need to know what time it is. It is a time to break down. Right now, it is a time to tear down. There will come a time of building up. But do not miss this. We need this tearing down. Know what time it is. Now, I want to open up today with a quote, considering what we're going to be covering. It's a quote by Patrick Henry. And we all know that famous speech that he gave, give me liberty or give me death. Listen to what he says In this speech, it is natural for a man to indulge in the illusions of hope and pride. We are apt to shut our eyes against a painful truth and listen to the song of that siren till she transforms us into beasts. Now, before I continue, do you understand what he just said? It is in our nature to turn away from the truth, to not hear it. We want to hear what we want to hear. Speak to us smooth things, prophesy deceits. He says we're apt to shut our eyes against painful truth. How true it is. And what do we do? We listen to that song of the siren who lures us and says, peace, peace. Puts their arm around your back and says everything is going to be okay. When everything is not okay. He goes on to say this. Is this the part of wise men engaged in a great and arduous struggle for liberty? Are we disposed to be uh, the number of those who having eyes see not and having ears hear not? The things which so nearly concern their temporal salvation. For my part, whatever anguish of spirit it may cost, I am willing to know the whole truth, to know the worst, and to provide for it. In other words, Patrick Henry is telling us that despite what the truth may cost him, despite how it might make him feel, 
He has to accept it. He has to endure it. Why? So that he can prepare. So that he can provide for it. Let me tell you something. This philosophy applies to this very series and what it is supposed to accomplish. Despite the heaviness of the information that we have covered and are going to cover, we have to be willing to know the whole truth, to face the truth regardless of the anguish of spirit, regardless of the pain it might cause. We have to know the worst of it because we need to prepare. You need to prepare. So today we're going to look at what this country can expect in the very near future as payment for her sins. Now, we've looked in the past, so I've been talking about things that we have done, things that we have been practicing, and it is heavy. But now you're going to see today the payment for those things, what to expect in the very, very near future. Now, for those of you who have eyes to see and ears to hear, you already know judgment is coming. You already know that it's on its way because you see the signs. You see what's happening to this nation. You see what the inhabitants of the land are doing. Now, when I look at examples of judgment in Scripture, there are a couple of main themes that keep playing over and over again. Themes which we find the Lord using against nations, even against his own people, to bring them into judgment. And when you look at these themes, you quickly realize that they are simply physical manifestations of a spiritual problem. Let me give you some examples of what I'm talking about. In Ezekiel 33, verse 24, we read, Son of man, they who inhabit those ruins in the land of Israel are saying, Avraham was only one and he inherited the land, but we are many. The land has been given to us as a possession. Therefore say to them, thus says the Lord God, you eat meat with blood. You lift up your eyes toward your idols and shed blood. Should you then possess the land? Going to verse 26. You rely on your sword. You commit abominations and you defile one another's wives. Should you then possess the land? Say thus to them, thus says the Lord God, As I live, surely those who are in the ruins shall fall by the sword. And the one who is in the open field I will give to the beast to be devoured. And those who are in the strongholds and caves shall die of the pestilence. So here we're given a couple themes, if you will, by which the Lord implements, he deploys his judgment upon his people. Let me underline these for you. Two things are mentioned here. I'll bring to your attention. They will fall by the sword and they will fall through pestilence. These are things, pay attention, that you can expect to happen in this country. Now, what is fascinating about this particular passage is that at the end, notice here, those who attempted to hide from the coming destruction, they retreated to dens and caves. In modern-day terms, you could say they got to their bug-out place. In modern-day terms, you could say they got to their bunker. Understand something. You will not escape the judgment of God when it comes upon this land. If you escape the sword and you go and find your bug out place and you go to your bunker, we find they'll be killed by pestilence. And I want this to resonate within your heart because when God's judgment comes, you cannot hide from him. If you are falling under his judgment, if you are part of the wicked, 
You are not going to hide from him. If you are deceived in your heart and you think you're righteous and you are not, you have not put your lifestyle up against the word of God, judgment is coming and it will find you. You will not hide. This passage, understand, is meant to strike fear into the hearts of those who are wise, who love Yeshua, who keep his commandments. This passage is not meant to institute a worldly fear. It's meant to institute a godly fear, a fear that will prevent you from embracing the lust of your flesh so that you don't walk according to the same example of disobedience. That's why it's recorded. Let me take you to the fourth chapter of Ezekiel because here we're going to be given another form of judgment, one that we find God often using against those who sin against him. And it's something that we briefly covered last week, if you remember. Going to Ezekiel chapter 4, verse 16. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, surely I will cut off the supply of bread and Yerushalayim. They shall eat bread by weight and with anxiety, and shall drink water by measure and with dread, that they may lack bread and water and may be dismayed with one another and waste away because of their iniquity. Why? Because of their sins, their iniquity. So here we find another form of judgment and how the Lord brings judgment upon the land. It is famine. Over and over again, we see the Lord using famine as means to judge his people. Let's not forget that uh, frightening verse that we already covered a couple weeks ago. In Ezekiel 14, verse 13, Son of man, when a land sins against me by persistent unfaithfulness, I will stretch out my hand against it. I will cut off its supply of bread and send famine on it. And I will cut off man and beast from it. Famine. That is what we can expect to happen as payment for our sins. So all of these things, sword, famine, pestilence, think of them as God's go-to forms of destruction, his forms of judgment. In fact, if we go back to Ezekiel chapter 5, we read the following. When I send against the, um, them against the, when I send against them the terrible arrows of famine, which shall be for destruction, which I will send to destroy you. I will increase the famine upon you and cut off your supply of bread. So I will send against you famine and wild beasts, and they will bereave you. Pestilence and blood shall pass through you, and I will bring the sword against you. I, the Lord, have spoken. What do we see? Famine, pestilence, and the sword. Same things. Famine, pestilence, and the sword. Going to Jeremiah 14, verse 12. When they fast, I will not hear their cry. And when they offer burnt offering and grain offering, I will not accept them. But I will consume them by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence. These are the methods by which the Lord deploys his judgment upon a land. Now, why do I mention this? Well, obviously, given the fact that we are talking about the death of America and the fact that God is going to judge this land, I show you these things so that you know what this nation can expect to come upon it. We live in a nation that is prideful. We live in a nation that's arrogant, unrepentant, being immersed in wickedness. And this, I promise you, it will come at a price. And that price is the sword, the famine, 
and the pestilence. Now, what is so terrifying about all of this is this. The tool or device to implement these very things, the sword, the famine, the pestilence, the tool to implement this is alive and well in this nation right now. And you might be saying, what are you talking about, Daniel? This is what I'm talking about. Communism. Now you might be thinking, well, Daniel, what in the world does communism have to do with God's judgment coming upon this nation? Well, that's exactly what I plan on showing you over the next couple weeks. It is interesting that if you look at history of the, the history of our nation, that as it began to embrace sin little by little, just a little bit more and a little bit more, we had that epic turning point in the 50s and the 60s. I mean, you can go back and look. That is essentially when this nation turned its back on God. And I kid you not, go back, study communism, the history of communism in this country. And what a coincidence. What do you know? As literally this nation is grabbing more and more onto sins and being overt, grabbing onto abortion, kicking Yeshua, Jesus, out of the schools. Parallel it. You can mirror the growth of communism with every step. Every inch of the way, communism is mirroring this. The more we grab onto the sins, the more influence communism has had on this nation. It's unbelievable. It really is. Now, remember something. America, as you know, was a country that was built upon freedom. It's a country that's built upon liberty, where its citizens actually have rights, inalienable rights, the right to life, liberty, to pursue happiness. We have rights to own personal property. We have rights to possess land in this country, all of which are being put at risk by the seductive ideology of communism. An ideology that is set out to destroy freedom, to destroy liberty, to destroy any concept of we the people and replace that with we the state. And so we're going to talk about communism and its potential relationship in the judgment of this nation. And I am doing this for a very important reason. I want you to understand why I'm doing this. I have an ulterior motive. I'm doing this because God forbid that the people of this nation should not recognize the judgment of God when it comes. And they simply ascribe the blame of what is actually happening to this country to, self, to, to, to a set of uh, calculated conspiracies or ascribing the blame to men with ideologies who have set out to undermine this nation's policies. God forbid the people of the land be blinded and merely see physical manifestations Whereas we need them to see the spiritual problem, not just the physical manifestations of the spiritual problem. Now, one thing I can tell you about communism is that it is this. This is my own definition. It is the most vile, godless, and ruthless form of government the world has ever known. That's my own personal definition. The only thing left in its wake is death, destruction, and oppression. Nothing else. There is no God in communism. There is no Jesus. There's no Yeshua. There's no individuality. There's no personal property. When communism takes over, the inhabitants of the land, they own nothing. And anything in their possession, if anything, it's the sole property of the state. State owns everything. And everything is for the state. Everything is for the cause of communism. 
There's no motivation for the people to succeed. There's only the state. There's only total oppression. Liberty and freedom, make no mistake, they are the enemies of communism. It's basically the scariest governmental environment known to man. John Stormer in his book, None Dare Call It Treason, this book dates back to the 60s. It's interesting. Dates back to the 60s. This is his assessment of communism. Gave his life to study in it. He says, communism is a disease of the intellect. It promises universal brotherhood, peace, and prosperity to lure humanitarians and idealists into participating in a conspiracy which gains power through deceit and deception and stays in power with brute force. Communism promises utopia. Wow. Ever heard of this type of rhetoric being tossed around lately? This type of ideology of promising utopia? through lies and deception and delivering nothing? He goes on. It has delivered mass starvation, poverty, and police state terror to its own people and promoted worldwide strife and hatred by pitting race against race, class against class, and religion against religion. Treason, terror, torture, and Moscow-directed wars of national liberation spread communist brotherhood, peace, and social justice around the world. Communism is frequently described as a philosophy, but it is not a philosophy in which intellectually honest men can believe for long. It is a conspiracy in which hate-driven men participate. This is just a glimpse of the reality of the effect of communism. Now, when we read about how the Lord brings about judgment in Scripture, we find something very, very interesting what a coincidence. The very devices which the Lord deploys in his judgments are the very same devices that are inherent to communism. You cannot make this up. Sword and famine are the very instruments by which communism is known. These are the very things that communism specializes in. Now, when you consider the fact that communism has been gaining ground in this country for some time, literally paralleling this nation's appetite for sin... You cannot help but draw the parallel to God releasing his judgment upon the land through communism. Let me take you back in time and show you some of the history of communism and how communism utilizes this device of famine, the very instrument by which God implements his judgment upon those nations that sin against him. And by going back to history, going, going back, we're going to be given some serious perspective in regard to just how horrific things are going to get in this nation. And you need to have this perspective. If you're going to call the inhabitants of the land to repentance, you need to have perspective on what God's judgment really looks like. In an article uh, titled, Lenin and the First Communistic, uh, Communist Revolutions, we read the following regarding Vladimir Lenin, who in the early 1900s, he was responsible for leading the Bolshevik Revolution, ultimately bringing the nation of Russia into communism, moving it from, it was under a czarist regime, moving it from the czars to communism, all right? And in this commentary, you're going to see communism uses the device of famine. We read, Lenin's government advanced to the next stage, sending the Cheka, the Cheka is the secret police, 
See, this is what communism does. You find communism, it always has secret police. Sending the Cheka and the Red Army to seize grain directly from the peasant. This was ideologically justified by dubbing peasants who resisted grain as wealthy kulaks. Though rich and poor alike found themselves staring down the muzzles of the Chetka's guns. Now, let me just stop here. There's a couple of things I want to I mention here. Notice what happens when communism comes into power. They come and confiscate everything, including food. Okay? And they ideologically justify it. It's justified. They start demonizing their own inhabitants. You want to hear something that just I marvel at? When you look at communist countries and the history of communism, do you know who their enemies are? Their own people. The inhabitants of their own land are their enemies. And they go out and they demonize these people. And in this instance, they call them kulaks. All for oppression. They start demonizing because they want to impose oppression. And we continue. He ordered kulaks to be deprived of not only surplus grain, but even seed grain. Do you understand what is going on here? They didn't just take the surplus of food that they had on the shelves. They took their ability away to grow their own food, to be self-sufficient. This is amazing. While in his speeches, he exhorted merciless war against the kulaks. There's more of that demonization. Death to them. Even as the Red Army battled um, Kolchak and Danikin, they were with the White Army. Red Army, White Army. They waged a less visible civil war with the peasants. By most estimates, several hundred thousand peasants were killed as a result of this so-called bread war. And we continue. The peasants had numbers on their side, and many soldiers were reluctant to fight them. Why were the soldiers reluctant to fight them? They're their own people. There's resistance there. But the government's superior organization ultimately gave them victory over the peasants. We continue. But the victory was hollow, for after the fruit of their labor had been seized, farmers generally decided there was no point in growing a surplus. Moreover, since seed grain was often taken, many peasants were unable to grow surplus crops, even if they wished. When the perverse incentives of price controls and expropriation, what is expropriation? It's when they come in and relieve you of your personal property. All for the interest the public's best interest. That's what it's for. So when we see that price controls and expropriation were mixed with a drought, the result was one of the greatest disasters of the century, the Russian famine of 1921. Official Soviet reports admitted that fully 30 million Soviet citizens were in danger of death by starvation. They were malnutrition, ready to die. Low estimates of the deaths from this famine are about 3 million. High estimates go up to 10 million. That is amazing. The main point I want to make here in showing you this history is that the Great Famine of 1921, it wasn't caused exclusively through drought. Certainly that had its hand in it. It was a man-made famine. When you think famine, we oftentimes, our initial knee-jerk reaction is to think drought, failure of crops, but in all reality, famine can actually be an experienced through a man-made campaign. 
And when I step back and I look at what is happening in this country today, I see things in our future unfolding in the exact same way we see it unfolded in uh, 1921. A government imposing restrictions so oppressive in nature that it institutes a man-made famine, let alone the fact that we may very well see droughts over various parts of the land. I mean, that might actually happen, right? And that'll obviously affect our agricultural ability. When you think about what's happening in California right now, I just read it the other week. A professor came out from the University of California, Berkeley, and she made a statement that California is on track uh, to actually reach a famine so severe or a drought so severe that it hasn't seen anything like it in 500 years. Now, you might be thinking, well, that's not really a big deal. That's just California, Daniel. Our country will survive. Well, consider this. California is the number one producer, agricultural producer in revenues in the nation. They outperform every other state in the union. They're number one. So, yes, this could have a significant impact on this nation. They're responsible for fruits, for vegetables, for livestock all over the country. It could have a significant impact. We'll wait and see. But be that as it may, the simple point I'm trying to make here is that when you step back and see what is happening to this nation through the influence, the infiltration of communism, and then you look at the history of communism and what it has done to nations, that it completely devastates the nations with sword, with famine. And then you go to the Bible and look at how the Lord brought judgment upon the lands through instruments like sword and famine, the very devices that are inherent in communism. When I see these things, believe me, I'm starting to get a little concerned for the future of our nation. Because all the signs, all the indicators, the markers are there. If you have eyes to see and ears to hear. Let me give you a couple, a couple more brief examples to further prove my point uh, regarding communism and its tendency. What it does is produce famine. The following is taken from the history learning site. The title is The Great Famine. The Soviet Union's Great Famine between 1932 and 1933. This is not 1921. This is not Lenin's regime. This is Stalinistic period may have resulted in the death of 9 million people. The Great Famine was a man-made affair and was introduced to attack a class of people, the peasants, who were simply not trusted by Joseph Stalin. This, is, this just fascinates me when you go back and you see the psychological warfare that is actually being played out here. That when they say they start to demonize specific people in their nation, as we know is happening today, they start demonizing them to gain control, to implement oppression. And then it goes on to say, Stalin ordered into agricultural areas troops and the secret police who took away what food they could find and simply left rural villages with none. Those who did not die of starvation were deported to the gulags. So under this oppressive regime, the fate of the people was either starved to death or you get to go to the gulags. Oh, what a great decision I get to make here, right? If you're not familiar with what a gulag is, it is a labor camp. The gulag is a labor camp. Some people refer to them as concentration camps or death camps. You have to understand, when they were sent to the gulags, they were terrorized. 
They were humiliated in various ways that I will spare you the details. They were tortured, and obviously many saw their death. This was their option. This was their option under their new regime, under communism. Welcome to the sword and famine. Welcome to communism. Really, the perfect remedy to carry out God's judgment. The perfect remedy to bring a nation which has been rebellious against the Lord to its knees. And we will be brought to our knees for turning our back against the God of Israel. We'll be brought to our knees for purging Yeshua out from our public arenas, from our schools. We'll be brought to our knees for our treatment of the nation of Israel. You better believe we're going to pay for these things. Let me give you one more example. And in this last example, I'm going to give you some scriptural examples. The headline reads, Madman who starves 60 million to death, devastating book reveals how Mao megalomania turned China into a, a madhouse. Now one thing you need to understand is just in this headline right now, Mao, it's referring to Mao Zedong, the chairman of communist China. The police log is chilling. Date, March 1960, it, dates, uh, it states, names, name of culprit, uh, Zhu Xuanji, if I hope I said that even close, Victims, husband, and older son, manner of crime, corpses exhumed and eaten. You gulp in horror as you realize what this means. A woman cooked and ate the flesh of her own family. See, under the rule of communist China, Mao Zedong, Mao was notorious for starving his people. And it was to such an extent that people literally started eating one another. Now let me tell you something. Wherever you find communism, you will find stories like this. People eating one another. People eating their own family members. Let me tell you why this fascinates me. Because when I go to scripture, I read the following regarding the curses of God. When God pours out his judgment, listen to what he says. We read Deuteronomy 28, 15, but it shall come to pass. If you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city and cursed shall you be in the country. There is no escaping God's judgment. Verse 17, cursed shall uh, be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your land, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. Now, what does this cursing look like? Well, as we continue, we read further in, into the chapter. Here's what we're told. Verse 52, they shall besiege you. At all your gates until your high and fortified walls in which you trust. Does this sound familiar? This nation, we trust in our high and fortified walls, metaphorically. They come down through all your land and they shall besiege you at all your gates throughout all your land, which the Lord your God has given you. So here we're given a description that describes our very country to the T, letter for letter. This nation boasts high and fortified walls, representing our strength, a strength which is described here as the very thing they trust in. In other words, the inhabitants are confident and boast in their strength, just as we covered last week in Isaiah 9-10 judgment. We have made our declaration, but unfortunately it's a declaration of destruction. 
And what we have to look forward to is exactly what is stated here. Our walls are coming down, and strength is being taken. It's being eroded with every day that passes by. And then listen to the next verse. Next verse is 53. You shall eat the fruit of your own body, the flesh of your sons and your daughters, whom the Lord your God has given you in the siege and desperate straits in which your enemies shall distress you. What a coincidence. The very thing that wherever we have seen communism exist, you'll find this very thing happening. Stories where mothers and fathers are so overcome by starvation, they end up eating their own young. The people in this country have no concept of famine. I can assure you that. Famine of biblical proportions. The passage goes on to say this in verse 54. The sensitive and very refined man among you will be hostile towards his brother, toward the wife of his bosom, and toward the rest of his children whom he leaves behind, so that he will not give any of them the flesh of his children whom he will eat, because he has nothing left in this siege and desperate straits in which your enemies shall distress you at all your gates. Moving on to verse 56. The tender and delicate women among you who would not venture to set the sole of her foot on the ground because of her delicateness and sensitivity will refuse to the husband of her bosom and to her son and her daughter, her placenta which comes out from between her feet and her children whom she bears, for she will eat them secretly for lack of everything in the siege and desperate straits in which your enemies shall distress you at all your gates. Who would have ever thought a passage like this would be in God's word? How long do we have as a nation before stories like this become reality? I want to take you back to our story now, and I want to finish it out with Mao Zedong. And we go back and we read, Madman who starved 60 million to death, devastating book reveals how Mao's megalomania turned China into a madhouse. The police log is chilling. Date, March 1960. It states, name of culprit, Zhu Xuanji. Victims, husband and elder son, manner of crime, corpses exhumed and eaten. You gulp in horror as you realize what this means. A woman cooked and ate the flesh of her own family. And we continue. And then comes the lie, arguably part of the greatest lie in modern history. Reason for crime, livelihood issues. Goes on to say, livelihood issues? For that euphemism in the official records of Red China under Chairman Mao Zedong, Red Famine. One of the unparalleled uh, devastation in which at least 45 million and possibly as many as 60 million men, women, and children died in less than five years. And the desperate resorted to cannibalism. This is the deadly and horrifying effect of communism. It brings the sword in a mighty way. It brings the famine. And wherever you see famine, what do you find? Pestilence disease. People are riddled with disease when they're malnutrition. If if you're going to find famine, you will find pestilence. You better open up your eyes because aspects of communism are already appearing all over this nation. But it is not communism that you should fear. Nor am I telling you to fear communism in any way. It's the judgment of God that you need to fear. There is nothing like it. There's nothing more horrific than the judgment of God coming upon a land. I want you to think about something. What about the Assyrians? See, we forget these things. 
when God destroyed his own people, Israel, it was what we read last week in Isaiah 9.10, he brought the most vile, merciless, and ruthless people to come and kill them. Think about that. The most vile, the most ruthless people. We almost think that, okay, when God is going to come and bring judgment, he's going to send a very nice angel, he's going to be very kind, and he's going to come and slap everyone on the hand. You have no concept of God's judgment, how horrifying it is. I am not afraid of communism. I am afraid of God. I'm not afraid of dying. I'm afraid of being destroyed, my soul, in hell. Make the distinction. I'm not breeding fear here. We are not to fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and sound mind. Amen? But it is the judgment of God you better be fearing. Now continue on in the story. As part of that insane culture, while the people at home starved, millions of tons of food were exported to East Germany, Albania, and Castro's Cuba, just so that Mao could show off to the world his generosity and the superior productivity of communism. So instead of Mao feeding his own people, he made his own people his enemies. And he starved them, and he sent the food elsewhere. This is what communism does. We continue. The suffering of those deprived of food was horrendous. In some villages, a tenth of the population died in a single month. Some ate the straw roofs off their houses and the cotton padding of their winter clothes. They soaked and softened the leather of chairs until it was edible. They ate plaster from the walls. When nothing else was left, people ate mud. One report, Decatur, Decatur is a Dutch historian, a professor of humanities at the University of Hong Kong, found in the party archives described shriveled peasants and children with ribs visible through their skin, scrambling into deep pits to carve out handfuls of porcelain white mud. This they mixed with chaff, flowers, weeds, and water, kneaded into mud pies, and baked. Though devoid of nutrition, the mud pies stopped the hunger pains for a while, but blocked up the intestines and bowels. A man traded his nine-year-old son for four pounds of peanuts. It was a short step to cannibalism, the meat of the dead smothered with hot peppers. A crucial component of the disaster was Mao's imposition of a policy of collectivization. I want you to remember that word because we're going to be coming back to it in the weeks to come. Collectivization. A nation of peasant farmers was herded into communal farms. It was not just their land that was nationalized. All private property was taken into state control. Down to the plows and rakes the farmers needed for their work and the pots and pans to cook. This is what communism does. It strips the inhabitants of everything. Your own land becomes property of the state. Your own personal property becomes property of the state. The only function you have as a human being is your output of labor. And if you can't be productive in that area, well, guess what? You're not going to be around long. There's no mercy for the elderly. There's no mercy for the sick. There's no mercy for the disabled. If you do not produce for the state, you're as good as dead. That's what you can expect. One man remembered his mother having to join a long queue to borrow the only sewing needle in the neighborhood. Communist authorities held the whip hand over everything. As the food shortage escalated, they dictated that 
Those too old or too sick to work would not be fed in the communal kitchens. They would be left to starve to death, and the sooner, the better. There was no hope for these outcasts. If they even foraged in fields and woods uh, for food, they were punished. Dying was the only thing that was left to them. As many as three million didn't wait for nature to dispatch them, but took their own lives. Villagers caught trying to hide or hoard food were clubbed to death. Ears lopped off, hair ripped out, people branded with hot irons. They were forced to eat excrement, doused in petrol, and set afire. This is what happens. It's fascinating to me, as I look around at what is happening in this nation, everybody is starting to stock up on food. If, in fact, the judgment of God is coming, and it is coming through the vessel of communism, that isn't going to do anyone any good. It's actually going to be worse. Decatur found evidence of all these punishments for offenses as small as digging up a potato. In all, he estimated two and a half million people were beaten or tortured to death. In fact, youth was no excuse. A 12-year-old boy was drowned in a pond like a kitten for stealing food from the communal canteen. Welcome to communism. Welcome to the sword. Welcome to the famine. Devices inherent to communism. It would do Americans well to look, take a real good look, at some of the history involved with communism to get a greater appreciation for exactly how horrific God's punishment can be when he brings the sword, when he brings the famine, when he brings the pestilence. Now, for some of you, the thought that anything like this ever happening in the United States of America might seem totally ludicrous, totally outrageous, completely unrealistic. Our government would never in a million years act in such a way, nor can it, because we have a constitution. We have our Declaration of Independence. Things like this cannot happen. What if I were to tell you that measures have already been enacted to do just this? Have you ever heard of the emergency regulations that were enacted through executive orders in the Cold War? Many of you remember the Cuban Missile Crisis. John F. Kennedy went head-to-head with Nikita Khrushchev. How many of you remember that, the Cuban Missile Crisis? Head-to-head with Khrushchev because Russia was actually storing weapons on the island of Cuba, right? Posing a serious threat to the United States. Well, it is interesting, at this time, emergency measures were actually signed into law by John F. Kennedy. And these measures still stand today, which essentially give uh, the office of the president dictatorial powers. I want to show you a few of these executive orders. And you can check them out for yourselves. They exist. Executive Order 10995. Takeover of all communications media. It's fascinating. When you look at communism, when you follow, you study the history of it, we're going to get into this deeper. Communism within itself has two different perspectives. What I would call a hard move and a soft move. A soft move would fall into the Fabian camp where Fabians would come and undermine through psychological warfare. They would take positions of power in the very country they're trying to take over. And they would seductively begin to slowly take over the nation and turn it into communism. Whereas hard, a hard approach 
would be by force. These executive orders could be enacted at any time. It would be a hard approach to communism. This would be a very hard approach. Take over all communications media. We even see, even today, if you've been following the news, you know just recently we tried to do a soft takeover. The government wanting to get into all media centers, not making this up. Look at this executive order, 10997, take over all electronic, uh, electric power, petroleum, and gas fuels and minerals. This is in time of crisis. They can do this at any time. 10998, take over all food resources and farms, including farming machinery. Wow. Where have we ever heard of that before happening? Look at this order, 10999. Take over all methods of transportation, highways, seaports, etc. 11,000, mobilization of civilians into workforces under governmental supervision. It's an American gulag. 10, or 11001, take over all health, welfare, and educational functions. Too late. It's been done. Think about it. Soft mentality. Fabians worked. Their methodology has worked on many levels. This has already been done. Executive Order 11004, take over housing and finance authorities to relocate communities, to build new housing with public funds, designate areas to be abandoned as unsafe, and establish new locations for populations. We're coming in and we're taking control of the land, and you're going to live where we tell you to live. And Russia... You, you look at, they, they, they have, they can open their license type of deal up and it will tell you what area they are allowed to be in. They compartmentalize it. It's unbelievable. You need to understand that all of these executive orders are to be, they're, they're executed through the Office of Emergency Planning and they can be brought into effect at a time of increased international tension or an economic or financial collapse, or crisis. Well, now you can breathe deeply because that's never going to happen here. <laughs> you know what I find peculiar is that the founding fathers, everything that they went through, if anyone knows anything about war, about destabilization, about being attacked, about being threatened, it's the founding fathers, and yet we don't find anything like this in the Constitution or in the Declaration, or in the Bill of Rights. Nothing like this is found. Now, ironically enough, listen to me very closely, the very man that John F. Kennedy went head-to-head with during the Cuban Missile Crisis, Nikita Khrushchev, he made a statement. And keep in mind, these executive orders were actually a result of the conflict John F. Kennedy and Nikita Khrushchev had. This is the result. You have to see the irony of this. This is what Khrushchev said in a speech in 1962. The United States will eventually fly the communist red flag. The American people will hoist it themselves. I want you to think about that. That is a powerful statement. The American people will fly the flag. Interesting, the very same years these executive orders were instituted, he makes this statement that we will actually hoist it ourselves. And you go through and you look at communism and how it takes over. Do you know it's through civil war? 
It's by its own people they raise the red flag of their own. This is what's coming. And as I go, as I continue in the coming weeks, you, you will not see this as being some flighty, kookball, conspiratorial idea of God enacting his judgment. I'm going to show you things that are going to make the hairs on your neck stand up. This is what is coming. But again, this is not to be feared. We are to fear God. I'm not instituting fear, but I am instituting the fear of God. Know that when this comes in, you better be in right standing with the Lord. 